This is Existential, a podcast aimed at reminding you that it's okay to be human. We listen to human stories and human experiences, and we wrestle with issues of justice, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Corey Leak. Thanks for listening. existential listeners. My name is Jen and I'm one of the team members here at Existential. I just wanted to pop in here briefly and let you know that while Corey is on sabbatical, we are highlighting some of our favorite episodes from Existential Sunday and bringing them here to you on Existential Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to Existential Sunday. My name is Corey. If we've not met, I'm a husband, I'm a father, a writer, a speaker, and every week I sit here and have uh, this broadcast called Existential Sunday, which is an extension of the podcast. Uh, Both the podcast and this um, Sunday morning space is about us as human beings trying to figure out our way in the world. It's a space for people who are going through a process of deconstructing, decolonizing their worldview or their faith. So if you're a person who's been a part of church or been a part of a tribe and you don't kind of feel disenfranchised by it or disillusioned by it, this space where we try to, you know, figure out some things together. So welcome to all of you who are watching. I'm going to take a few moments since I came on early and say hello to folks that are in the comments. So uh, also, if you're coming in live now and you're, you know, you're regular, you know what to do, you can already, you can share this right now. You never have to ask my permission to share it. If you're watching via replay and you want to share it, you can do so also. Good to be back with you. Last week I wasn't I wasn't a part of this. I wasn't here anyway. I was um well, I was at home. I just wasn't doing this. <laughs> this live. Uh, so it's good to be back with you guys. But I want to say, like, before I start talking about this today, that I've been like ruminating on this for probably a couple of weeks. So I'm gonna process what's in my brain about this particular thing that I'm talking about today. And so much so that I actually wanted this particular um, Existential Sunday to be a discussion. I wanted it to be a back and forth, but then realized it's just very hard to do uh, via Facebook. So for those of you who are patrons, I wish I could do it for everyone, but for those of you who are part of the Patreon community, this week we're actually going to, with this particular conversation, we're going to have a conversation. I'm going to send you a Zoom link that'll be uh, on the, in Patreon. So those of you, so make sure you check Patreon this week, and it'll also be in our Facebook group to make sure everybody sees that link to a Zoom for later this week, where we where we can continue to talk about this. So hopefully, um, I can see all of you who are part of the Patreon community on Zoom. All right. So um, today. What I am processing and thinking about uh, is is this question I asked earlier this week on Facebook, which was what what makes you consider someone an enemy? Because I was just thinking about this notion of enemy, and I, and I was you know thinking about like conflict and coming out of the Thanksgiving holiday and heading into the Christmas holiday, the Christmas season, um, where though many of us will not see family and friends due to this damn pandemic. Many of us may go see family and friends, or maybe you do a Zoom call with family and friends. And I started thinking about like the enmity that's like present now, excuse me. Like there's just this like, I don't know, man, ever since 2016, 
there seems to just be like this real tension, even in amongst family and friends. And, and, and I've heard people talk about like how uh, nervous they are to sit down with uncle so-and-so or auntie so-and-so. And, and it's just been an interesting thing to see. And so I was sort of thinking about this whole idea of opposite sides and opposition and, and it made me ask the question, what, what, what makes you consider someone an enemy? And there were some really great answers. Like there were some really, really, really great answers. I, I think some of us may have actually looked at the, the actual definition of enemy, which when I looked at the actual definition of enemy, I was like, oh, duh. I mean, it just makes sense. But what many of the answers were was this, this idea of, of someone or something that like is over against me <clears throat> that's opposing me, that like is, is opposing me or my family's progress or something to that effect, right? One of the one of the answers though that, that really struck me was from a person who I believe was I believe is a military veteran, and their answer was seemed very specific because I had to do with bombs and I had to do with people blowing up things, and and I and I made it makes sense to me because that's a person who's been face to face with a literal enemy, or at least one that they've been conditioned to believe is an enemy, right? So at least at least one that they think. Um, opposes the American way or American values or, dare I say, American exceptionalism. That was an interesting answer to me because it made me think about how often, I've said this often, how most of us, by and large, view ourselves as the protagonists in the story, especially us in the United States, right? It, us in the United States, we can blow up and send drone strikes and invade and all kinds of things all over the world with our military power. And in our eyes, it is that because we're American, I don't know if it's because we're American or because we feel like we have some virtue, that it's okay for us to do it. They're the enemy, we're not. It's very hard to like view ourselves as an enemy. That like, I could actually be opposing someone else. And that, so, I was, so as I was thinking this through, I actually called a friend of mine um, who I like process these sort of like deep philosophical things with. You know, I, I, I tend to like have to be my friend is to have me send you a random text with some deep philosophical thought that I want to go back and forth with you about. Right. And we've been and we wind up texting all day. So if you got a job and you're my friend, it might be tough to get work done. Just ask Andre Henry. Um but I, I asked a friend of mine about this, right? And, and I'm talking about it and I'm like, you know, it's interesting to me that like, when we think about enemy, we think about who's against us. We don't actually think about who we're against. And if, if and, and follow me, I hope you can track with what I'm saying right now, because again, I'm telling you, I'm like processing out loud what my brain's been working through. Um, that like, <laughs> that like if, enemy is only someone who opposes me that there would probably never have been enemies to begin with because at some point somebody has to initiate conflict or initiate uh, a pushing back against somebody else's plans right and that could be me so that means there has to be something else that caught that could put me at odds with you and I started thinking about things like capitalism I started thinking about like a marketplace where I'm trying to take up as much of a marketplace as I possibly can. 
And in doing so, if I sell a widget and you sell that same widget, we have, by virtue of a system that rewards us for winning, become enemies. And neither one of us is necessarily a bad person, an evil person, a wicked person. We're just participating in a system that puts us at, puts us at odds with each other. That's all food for thought for you. And, and but but the real reason for this light in my mind, as I've thought about it and as I wrestled with it and as I've been thinking through it, is something that Jesus said that I believe to be the most revolutionary statement possibly in the history of mankind. It's the thing that I think is like most um, distinctive or most powerful at, at, at minimum about the Christian faith, the tradition that I come from. It's the thing that like, I think makes the Christian faith like really interesting. It's like, the, it's, it's this, it's the statement Jesus made. It was, it was part of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. The story is told in Matthew chapter five. And it starts with uh, Matthew chapter five, this whole, this whole Sermon on the Mount, if you will, or, or, or these statements that Jesus makes start with uh, this, his disciples coming to him. I have to be clear with you that this term disciple is a term that it refers to people who follow a rabbi. So Jesus being a part of a rabbinic tradition was a traditional rabbi and people who followed rabbis followed like this really specific way of different rabbis. There was a way that Jesus had, a way of thinking, a way of believing, a philosophy that his disciples would subscribe to. And this is early on when Jesus is kind of laying out what it means to actually follow him as a rabbi. This is like how he thinks. And he does, he's doing this thing throughout this entire talk that he gives called binding and loosing. And binding and loosing is part of a rabbinic tradition where you take a law or like a, an idea, something that is prevalent in the society or in the community. And you say, you, you, you do this thing where you look at that law and you say, uh, it's been this way for a long time, but what if we thought about it this way? So throughout this talk, you, you see, hear or read, you can't hear it, but you read, although I have been to the very spot that this took place, which was a very surreal thing. Um, you, Jesus is saying throughout this talk, you have heard it said, blah, 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 but I say to you, blah, blah, blah. So he's doing this and he's kind of really messing with some of the tradition, right? And at one point he says, you've heard it said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So through, as a part of the Jewish way of being, you could actually be a pious person up until this moment. Be, consider yourself a pious person, a God-fearing person, a follower of God, and hate your enemy. Because he says, you've heard it said to love your neighbor hates your enemy, and there's evidence of this, right? You, you, you've seen throughout, if you, if you are a Jewish person growing up, you've heard, and, and this time, you've heard the stories of, like, um, all of the, 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 the nations that, and conflicts that uh, the Jewish people had been in. The men, women, children, and animals that they'd slaughtered, the genocide, the um, violence, 
So you kind of, yeah, I'll get it. Yeah, you've heard, I've heard it said. Of course I've heard that said. And then Jesus does the binding and loosing thing. He says, but I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Now, I don't know about you, but like if I'm a person who has lived my whole life believing that because it's natural to hate an enemy, especially when we're talking about an actual enemy, not like our Western idea of enemy, which is like anybody who thinks differently than me. No, this is these are people who knew full well what enemy was. They were they had had they had been captives. They had been slaves. They had been carried away from their homeland. They come back to the homeland and their homeland is occupied by a, a, a military superpower who is oppressing and overtaxing and crucifying and killing and crushing them and their way of life, they knew full well enemy. In fact, so when Jesus says this word enemy out loud, they have an idea that's way different than our idea of enemy. They like no enemy. The only thing that I could think of today that would sort of maybe help us understand what it might feel like to be a Jew, a Jewish person in this time hearing Jesus say these words is a, uh, something I saw from our sister Linda Sarsour on um, social media not too long, not too long, a couple of days ago. And it was the image of a Palestinian boy who had been killed by Israeli, Israeli soldiers. And I think in Linda's post, she talked about um, the, the occupied territory of Palestine. Imagine Linda, myself, someone else saying to the family of this Palestinian boy who has been killed, love the Israeli soldiers who are occupying the territory that you call your homeland. That's what this idea of enemy was to them. That's what this idea of love and your enemy was to them. It wasn't like, you know, love the people who voted different than you. Love the people like who you're mad at. It wasn't like that. It wasn't that reductionist. It wasn't that like simple. It wasn't that like elementary. It was way deeper than that. It was like love people who want to do you harm, have done you harm. I think it's I think there's one of two things that happens when I when I think about this this idea that Jesus said these words to people, right? That he said, love your enemy. I, I think one of two things happen. I think that there are people who it's way too easy for you to have an enemy without love. You have enemies and you have hatred in your heart. You have people that it's just, it's just easy for you to not like someone. It's easy for you to hate them. It's easy for you to write them off. It's easy for you to think of them as whatever. And, and, and your, your blood starts to boil. I should say our. And then there are some of us who like live in this sort of um, manufactured place where there is no enemy. Like there is, I don't consider anybody an enemy. There's, there's, there's no one or no nothing that I like feel that strongly about that that I oppose. So I'm just, I have this love. I think it's like the term we now have is this like toxic positivity. That like you just only see yourself as not having anyone who you oppose or opposes you. And I think it's hard 
to like actually follow this particular teaching that Jesus gave, which I think is revolutionary, whether you are a person who believes in Jesus or God, uh, or you're a person who's just like trying to live life in a way that's full and like inspiring and inspired, like this concept of loving an enemy is powerful if you have both the enemy and the love. Too many of us have no enemy and just love or enemies and hate, but the brilliant cocktail, the life-changing, life-altering, remaking the world way of being is to have both, is to recognize both, is to recognize that there are people in the world who for whatever reason, whether they're just participating in the system that they've been given, I mean, let's just make it plain and bring it home. There's a system in the United States that is absolutely anti-Black. That rewards whiteness and penalizes Blackness. This is the way, I've said this a thousand times. This is the way the system was oriented. This is the way the society was arranged. This is what we built on top of. So to participate in that system, for some of us that participate in that system as white folks who who cling to whiteness, who are who feel entitled by whiteness, who feel like they deserve more because of whiteness, that's ingrained in you. You have become an enemy because your privilege, your rights, your ability to grab more and more and more leaves less for black folks, which means that you in a lot of ways oppose the advancement of black folk, of black people. For those of you whose politics are opposing the opposing immigration, opposing Muslims, opposing um, the LBGTQ plus community, you kind of position yourself as an enemy to those folks. Like, I think we should be able to see that there is such a thing as as enmity. And you don't have to be in conflict with people for that. You don't, you don't even have to be like fighting, debating, arguing with them for them to be an enemy. Right. So we need to recognize that the reality is, is we live in a system where there is enmity, where there is. And, and the enemy of your brother or sister, I think might maybe they should be your enemy, too. And I think maybe we just think automatically, which is why Jesus' words thousands of years ago to me are so revolutionary, because I think maybe automatically we think when we think about a person who is an enemy, automatically we think that means I hate them, which is maybe the natural thing to do. I mean, I guess it makes sense to be the natural thing because Jesus was undoing thousands of years of, of human wiring that said, if there's an enemy, it's okay for you to hate them. So maybe that wiring is still a part of us. And so when we start to think enemy, the reason why many of us reject the notion, no, I don't have any enemies, is because you think it means the person you hate. And that's not what that means. It just means it's the person who is like the adversary, right? The person who, who positions themselves with how they think, with how they behave, with how, with again, in this season, who they have chosen to elect and vote for, they vote for things, they advocate for things that are in opposition to the advancement of people you care about, or in my case, as a black man, of me and my family.
So it's not hard for me to recognize white supremacy as my mortal enemy. And people who uphold that, people who live into that, whether implicitly or explicitly, people who live into that reality, yeah, they're my enemy. 100%, absolutely, no question, yes, those people are my enemy. Oh, it's revolutionary. It's for me to recognize that they are my enemy. And then to go a step further, to subvert my natural inclination to hate them, to wish ill on them, to want them to be harmed, to want them to be injured, to want them to suffer. That's the natural inclination when we think enemy. But, but to subvert that by saying, uh, no, like animals in the wild behave that way. Lions see gazelles. I think that's what lions eat predominantly, gazelles and maybe giraffes or humans if we're out there, I guess. Maybe there's a zoologist watching that can tell me what lions' mortal enemies are. But they see them and they don't have the, the capacity to be able to say, I'm not going to just attack and destroy. Not gonna, I'm not going to like pounce on and crush not going to live with this 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 natural inclination to see that person think of that person and have this like i'm going to attack i hate i want to destroy i want to kill but the human capacity to say there is no one in the world who has the power to make me hate them now again let me be very clear about this I know there are lots of people who don't subscribe to the notion of loving an enemy. I get it. I'm not telling you you're supposed to. I'm suggesting, I'm offering to you today the option, the idea that maybe there's something far more human and beautiful and something that may remake the world, to borrow a term from another friend of mine who I asked about this, something that might remake the world, that might help us to contend for a better world that we could all try and practice more of, which is to respond to adversity and adversaries with love and goodwill and kindness. I'm not, I, you know, at, at this point, like if we were in church with existential Sunday, it's not, it's not a church service for those of you who are new to this. Um, Perhaps I'd have some like practical advice for ways that you can start practicing loving, <laughs> being kind to your enemies. I don't know how you do that. But I do know. Well, you know, I was going to say I do know something else. I, I do know I was watching Power yesterday. It was on. I was kind of doing some binge watching of Power yesterday afternoon. And I, I had forgotten about this. But there was this there's this moment where um, if you've not watched Power uh i don't this isn't much of a spoiler okay it's not much of a spoiler if you if you're going to watch power this is a small like a 0.999% uh spoiler there's this moment where it's, uh ghost is talking to tommy and ghost is trying to get away from his old lifestyle and he says to tommy that you need me he said you hate me but you need me. And even in hating me, you need me to do that. I didn't even catch that the first time I saw it. But seeing it the second time, I was like, whoa, what a statement that is. Like, 
Like that for me to hate someone, I, I desperately need them. I need them to hate them. Like I, I am hurt by them. I'm injured by them. I am afraid of them. Um, I have hard feelings towards them, but like for me to hate them keeps them present always. And they have power over me. That was one of the, um, one of the many responses when I asked a couple friends, like, you know, why should I love an enemy? And the number one answer that I got from folks was because if I do it, they, it, it removes their power over me. It's interesting, right? To think like if I remain in a state of hatred for someone, they are always present with me with this really, really dark, toxic energy that's draining my life. That's, that's quite literally affecting your heart. It's quite, it's, it's actually literally reshaping your brain to some degree makes you, maybe I could argue a little less human. Maybe you are robbed of um, the part of you that, that has joy and that loves life because you have for too long allowed yourself to be tethered to a person through hatred, as opposed to deciding that I love this person still, even through gritted teeth, which tells me that they didn't beat me. They didn't win. They didn't overcome me. I ain't gotta be, we ain't gotta be boys. We ain't gotta stay in a relationship. I don't ever have to talk to you. But eventually when your name comes up, I wanna be able to smile. I wanna be able to ask how you're doing and, and, and it not bother me that you're doing okay. Eventually. Again, I don't know how you get there. Certainly don't know how you get there without some connection to some kind of spiritual practice, some connection to the divine. I don't know, I don't think it's possible actually. I don't think it's humanly possible for us to get to this place where we like, actually live through that like virtuous energy of love even towards our enemies but i do believe it's a better way all right for those of you that missed it in the very beginning i want to continue this conversation with those of you who are part of the patreon community i would love to i'd love to have a back and forth with again with everyone who's watching whether you watch replay or watch live if you've watched this for 27 minutes i, I encourage you to share this or, or or if you're on facebook watching it you can tag people in the comments uh, who weren't here to watch it but those of you who are part of the Patreon community, uh, be looking out for a link in, face, in the Facebook group and also on Patreon. And if you're not a part of the Patreon community and you'd like to, to join the Patreon community, we will put the link in the comments uh, below so you can see them. All right, folks, thanks so much for uh, being a part of this. Hopefully you were able to track with it. Look forward to seeing, uh, again, you in the Patreon community later this week. Grace and peace to all of you. Until next time. Thank you.